You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 305th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 962nd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of August 24th, 2023. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Well, a couple of things I wanted to hit on for the banner moment this week. The first of those is that it sounds like IU is going to be playing in the battle for Atlantis uh, in 2024. So everybody start uh, making plans to work on your family to be able to spend uh, time around Thanksgiving uh, in the Bahamas, which maybe shouldn't be that hard to convince people to do. But, uh, you know, exciting for IU to be playing in one of those marquee events. Feels like it's been a long time since they've been uh in one of those i know the year they were in maui is the the year that they had it in in Asheville, so maybe that's why it feels that way but uh, i think a great sign in terms of you know where where they sit in the in the pecking order nationally and uh what should be a great opportunity for uh for the team uh next year exciting opportunity for fans and, and then i think uh i think it was zach osterman who talked a little bit about uh you know how good of an experience it was when they went uh down there a couple years ago in the in the uh in the off season uh, so good opportunity for that. And uh, one of the benefits he called out was that you're not dealing with the time zones and some of the challenges that you have of going to Maui. Not that uh, going to Maui is a bad thing by any stretch, but uh, exciting opportunity for the program, for the team there. And the other thing I wanted to hit on, we'll touch on this a bit more uh, briefly, but our friends over at the Hoosier Ticket Project uh, had their annual giving blitz uh, yesterday on the 23rd. They're obviously still accepting donations. It's not too late if you want to be able to give to that, but uh, just a, a great organization. Uh, as I wrote uh, yesterday, it, it made me think about my dad and the great memories that we had uh, of going there. And the Hoosier Ticket Project is great because it gives people who may not be able to give, you know, get that opportunity for themselves. It gives them the chance to go and make those memories and build uh, build fans and, and things like that. And just a absolutely great organization. So glad to, uh, as a show, be supportive of, of everything that they do. And so certainly would encourage you, if you want to learn more about them, go check that out. Hoosier ticket project.org. Uh, just a, a great organization of, of Hoosier fans and, uh, trying to keep building more Hoosier fans for the future and uh, again, getting people to games, uh, that they might not normally be able to get to. So, uh, excited about what they were able to accomplish. I don't believe that I saw what their final numbers were for yesterday, but, uh, seemed like they were doing pretty well in the middle of the day and had set a pretty aggressive goal for themselves. So, uh, excited to see how that all shakes out. But again, not too late, even if you missed the chance to donate yesterday. All right. So now to introduce my co-host for the week, uh, Jared and Ryan are both off, but here with me, he's a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the second best bracketologist on the assembly call, which really shows you that I'll just read damn near anything that is on here. I would never say that about coach uh, <laughs> right. by any stretch. It's true. Uh, and a man who knows how to celebrate an epic win over your rival. Uh, and with that, it's the coach. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop. 
drop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. Coach, what's on your mind this week? Uh, you know that uh, these uh, summer sessions and summer uh, shows are kind of tough as we, we pile on until we start getting some basketball to talk about. But uh, a couple things. You brought up the, the battle for Atlantis, and I feel the same way, Andy. It, it's just nice to see Indiana in with you know seven quality opponents, and you're going to see three games back-to-back. And the battle for Atlantis – uh, has always been one that I've tried to watch. One as a college basketball fan, but also as a uh, you know just a just a bracketologist and, and and wanting to see some basketball. It's a unique thing in, in the ballroom, and and I I wish uh, I could go. I'm going to put that on my schedule to see if I can schedule some time time to go. I, I think that's just again another signal, as you said, of the program moving in in the right direction, and that that's a positive. Also, very interested uh, in. You know, a couple of new walk-ons, we'll talk about them coming up. I think it's interesting that, you know, uh, they're still wanting to build some guard depth, which which I think speaks to uh, some of the keys for Indiana basketball. Uh, more, And we'll talk again, uh, more practice probably than anything. If they're getting some playing time, we have some, some bigger issues with Indiana basketball. But it's nice to see uh, players wanting to come to Indiana and play at Indiana. So it's uh, for a, for an off week. It, it's pretty good. Football is is right around the corner. Uh, college football starts up this weekend. If you're into NFL fantasy football, you're doing some drafting or at least preparing for the drafts. Uh, it's a fun time uh, to to be a, a college sports fan, pro sports fan. Everything starts getting going again. So I'm looking forward to a lot of evenings and and days of of football and and basketball. Absolutely. All right. Well, here's what we've got ahead this week on the show. Uh, we'll talk Hoosier headlines. Actually, quite a bunch, quite a few. We've, we've touched on a couple of them. We'll dig into those a little bit more. Uh, and then our second segment, uh, we initially had this as five burning questions that will define the uh, the big, upcoming Big Ten season. Might have a couple extras to throw in there, a couple bonus questions as we talk about that, uh, taking a step back a little bit and looking at the league. Uh, and then we'll answer your questions in our mailbag to close things out, as we always do. So all of that is coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. But now, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Home field apparel, for the team. In this edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere. And it's not just IU. Home Field has something for fans and grads at pretty much every school with unique vintage logos for all of them. No matter what you buy, you know it'll be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through the Kelly School of Business. And what could be better than that? Uh, Homefield has a lot of great things going on this time of year. Uh, to go back to the Giving Blitz, they came out with a couple different shirts for the Hoosier Ticket Project. And all of the profits from those will go directly to the Hoosier Ticket Project. So another way to support them and get some comfortable clothes at the same time. Also rolling out a series of bomber jackets of uh, different schools as the uh, college football season gets close. And then I believe the IU uh, football bundle, I don't know what that entails, is uh, unveiled this weekend. Uh, so lots of great IU stuff. I've got my IU soccer shirt that I just got from them uh, not very long ago on this evening as the uh, as the soccer season kicks off. Uh, the part that I watched before we came on here, IU was dominating possession, had been unable to score and in checking Twitter now. Uh, looks like they fell behind, but quickly uh, have tied it back up. So ranked number two in the country, exciting things. Uh, on the pitch for the soccer team. And uh, if it ever feels like I'm not living on the surface of the sun here, 
Uh, perhaps I'll try on the new oval hoodie, uh, the uh, IU oval hoodie that I got. Uh, but putting a hoodie on right now feels like the absolute last thing I should be doing given the temperatures. But anyway, if you go to Home Field Apparel uh, and use our promo code HOME23, you can get 15% off your first order. That's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Once again, that website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Really supremely timed uh, ad read as I ad libbed and ended just as the music was, did. I couldn't do that. that. Well I couldn't done. do that if I couldn't do that if I tried though. So uh, just if anybody thinks I'm really uh, that good, we we all know otherwise. Uh, but anyway, coach, as we get into Hoosier headlines, uh, I'm I'm going to hit the first what, what you talked about. So a couple walk ons uh, were announced this week. One is Jordan Rayford, who's a transfer from Air Force. Uh, his name had come up earlier in the offseason. I feel like uh, six foot five, coming off a of shoulder surgery. Offers from Maine and uh, an Old Dominion coming out of high school, and then Jackson Creel, who's a tra- who's a JUCO transfer, also six five, uh, shot nearly thirty six percent from three a season ago. You know, as you look at these guys, I think I think what you said is correct, Coach. That probably from a standpoint of you find them playing major minutes over the course of the season. You know, one of two things has happened. Either they're way better than you thought they were or other things have gone sideways for IU. But I do think it, it certainly helps the depth. And, and the other thing you look at here is you're not using a scholarship. You're not tying yourself into having that scholarship potentially um, you know, locked up in, in years to come. And so really no downside of, of these from an IU perspective. And you get a guy who at least has D1 experience. Uh, in the Mountain West, and uh, and another guy who's who's shown some ability to shoot the ball at the JUCO level. So I, I think it helps in practice. I think um, you know gives you maybe some other answers in in an area where there are the most question marks on this team as you start to look at that way. And so uh, really no downside. A couple interesting additions to the uh, to the uh, to the program. But uh, any additional thoughts about about anything you've read about those guys that in, intrigues you or uh, that you feel like people should know? Well, I just think, again, it speaks to Indiana's recruiting, you know, um, I guess schedule or, or, or the, what's their priority. They're getting guys with length. You have guards at 6'5 in, in Rayford and Creel. You have guys who can shoot the basketball. And just like you said, it, it was late in the roster building, roster construction for this year. But you got guys that if you had to in a, in a foul trouble situation or, or, or something for two or three minutes are capable of, of playing good basketball. There are good walk-ons throughout college basketball. These kids can play, but they might not be at the level of obviously big 10 basketball players, but when they come in one, it's just good in practice. Anytime you can elevate your, uh, your backups, your, your walk-ons and, and get good talent into practice that just makes your starters and your subs better and it it allows you to play uh, some first unit against second unit type stuff Uh, it gives some flexibility to coach Woodson in in a practice and and the other thing is you know you got Ja'Kai Newton with the injury and and had a a procedure to fix uh, the old injury or whatever has happened and and he's likely to be out for some time we don't know how long uh, but the guard position is, is not as deep as as the front line, uh, Mister Obvious here, and you, you you just you just never know when something might happen. But I, I think it it speaks volumes when people want to come play at Indiana. You had Peyton Sparks, the Walker kid, knowing he's going to have a, a backup role coming to play for Indiana. I think they just keep being signs of of how Co- Coach Woodson is that general manager. You know, Jared and I have talked about that overseer of the program 
that I think we really needed. Um, and I don't know that we needed an Indiana guy to do that, but this Indiana guy is really doing a great job, and that might have been the case of, of, of what we're doing is getting that program in the right shape. And, uh, you know, there's an interesting question at the end of the uh, – about Coach Woodson, but he is doing everything – uh, to, to make sure that we stay relevant even when you lose four starters and two guys to the NBA. We're talking relevancy of a top Big Ten team. Uh, uh, most bracketologists have them, if they do preseason bracketology, likely to be in the tournament. Uh, that, that sometimes doesn't happen when you lose four starters and two guys to the NBA. So this is just another piece. It's a small one. Uh, and, and, you know, if they earn playing time, that's great. Uh, but I think um, – you know, we just don't, we just don't know w- with our guards other than Trey Galloway what Trey Galloway is going to bring. We got questions at the point guard. We got a freshman backup point guard. You got two sophomores that we think are going to be really good. We just don't know when. So the more numbers give you more solutions if you have have to go um, that direction. Yeah, you talked about uh, you know kind of trying to sometimes news being hard to come by uh as we hit the off season well september's news is going to be dominated by a lot of recruiting visits uh there's pretty much at least a couple guys every weekend uh inside the hall did a nice job of of laying out who all is coming when uh but the first weekend uh labor day weekend jalen harrelson malachi moreno uh coming in then uh the following weekend is the the one i know everybody's got circled with Derek queen and Liam mcneely Austin Swartz coming in on the 15th, Braylon Mullins on the 19th, and then uh, the 23rd, Trent Sisley and and Alex Alston. So just a, a lot of uh, a lot of key targets coming in during that timepiece uh, or th- during that time frame for IU as they look to to try to build out players in the next couple classes. Um, there's some 2024s and 2025s within that uh, within that group, but a lot of guys they've put time into already, and so. Be interesting to see. I know you tend to view this a lot like I do. It's it's easy to get excited about these guys, but don't you know put too much stock into it till at least they get on campus and, and certain and ideally sign. So, uh, be interesting to see. There'll be a lot of news uh, on that front over the course of September. Uh, you've also got uh, I touched on this earlier in IU in the battle for Atlantis in 2024. Other teams in that field include Arizona, Gonzaga, Louisville, Creighton, West Virginia, Oklahoma, and Davidson. So a lot of really quality programs. Uh, in there. So exciting, uh, again, as we mentioned, to be part of that. And then uh, you, you mentioned Mike Woodson. He gets a million-dollar raise uh, now at $4.2 million per season, um, which is really just part of the same six-year deal that he signed originally. Um, so puts him up at the third-highest-paid coach in the Big Ten, at least according to the numbers that Jared had here. Uh, I think most people would not probably pick who uh, <laughs> who's right below him uh, in the pecking order. Uh, it's actually Kevin Willard of Maryland. I won't play trivia time with you because I assume you're reading the run sheet. So it's not really, uh, <laughs> not really too much to do there. And then a bunch of guys right in that three and a half million, uh, range as well. But, uh, any, I know we touched on the battle for Atlantis. Any, any thoughts on the recruiting piece or the, uh, or the Mike Woodson raise? One, I, I do like what we're doing recruiting wise. I don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to it and get, try not to get too excited because you know that, uh, a visit, uh, an offer. Uh, these kids get a lot of visits and a lot of offers from good schools. And so I, I don't 
you know, set uh, all my hopes and dreams on this kid coming or this kid coming. There's obviously young men that I'd like to see play at Indiana, but just the fact that we're getting a lot of visits and, and who we're recruiting. Again, that's another thing that Mike Woodson, as general manager, overseer of the Indiana program, has done really well as he's getting the, his players, long, lengthy, talented players to at least listen to him and be in the top five, top eight. He's not winning everyone. And and there may still be some questions uh, about the long-term recruitment versus the short-term. He seems to be better short-term. Those are all real. But recruiting is difficult, but I think we're in the right direction if we want Indiana to be back where they're at. And there, then he deserves a raise for that and, and getting Indiana back into the tournament for two years. Uh, keeping Indiana relevant with the transfer and, uh, portal this year. And I like the fact of a raise uh, as opposed to an extension at this point. I have no problem with Coach Woodson, but who knows if he wants to coach, you know, through another contract or whatever at his age. But you honor the hard work that he's done in two years um, to, to get us back in a tournament, to, to, to have winning ways to produce NBA players uh, I, I like that he got uh, got that race. I also like, Andy, that he's third in the Big Ten. I mean, if basketball is going to be a priority and we're going to get back to putting uh, banners in Assembly Hall, then then we've got to pay for good coaching. And that goes for the assistants and bringing in, you know, players, uh, former players like Hulls and and Chaney. This, this, all of that stuff is, is headed in the right direction. I think that's very worthy of the race. So these are good things even in the, the off season here before we have basketball that are happening to Indiana. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, coming up on Assembly Call Radio, we're going to look around the Big Ten a little bit. It's a league that has two pretty clear-cut favorites, no matter where you look, uh, some interesting incoming talent, and a lot of questions. So we'll look at a few of those key questions that will help define the Big Ten season uh, coming up. So we'll do that when we come back. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right. Welcome, everybody. Good evening. Stay cool, everybody. No kidding. No kidding. Our AC was out earlier in the summer. I am extremely glad it wasn't out. No. Knock on wood. We we have Um, some classrooms (laughs) that it it went out this week, and so we're moving, moving people from one end of the building to the other, and pushing back practices or canceling practices. It's just been a tough three or four days. Yep. Seems like some relief in sight coming up. So hopefully everybody can 
make it through the next couple of days and be there. I know Jared, if he was on, would say it's like this every day in Dallas. We get it. Um, but uh, but anyway. All right. All right. You uh, ready to roll? Talk some. Yeah, let's talk some. Talk some Big Ten. A lot of I think like you, I started pulling up rosters and trying to figure out kind of forget some of the comings and goings. And there's even yeah. more of that than, you know, normal with the transfer portal. But, yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. That, yeah, in the Big Ten is probably why there's such a huge gap between the first couple of teams, because the first couple of teams are really the ones who have a ton yeah. back. And yeah. then uh, the others are the question marks. So we'll uh, we'll get into that. All righty. Here we go. All right. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. All right, welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And uh, before we get into some burning Big Ten questions heading in to this upcoming basketball season, just once again, wanted to talk about the Hoosier Ticket Project's Giving Blitz. Uh, they hit a huge one day. They had a huge one day goal of getting 15,000. Uh, do not believe they hit that, but uh, we can still help out as we go as we uh, as we go through the coming days. You can do that by going to HoosierTicketProject.org slash Giving Blitz. Uh, as I mentioned before, they also got a couple of great home field shirts uh, where all the profits from that are going to the Hoosier Ticket Project as well. So multiple ways to help those folks out, particularly as we get uh, ahead to football season and uh, hopefully a team that gives fans something to cheer about as we go forward. So, all right, coach. Uh, so we, we set out to have five burning big 10 questions. I think we got a couple more than that, but we can, uh, we'll hit as many of these as we can. Uh, so we'll start with IU. This is one that, that Jared had thrown, uh, thrown in here. And so this is probably one where if you knew the answer to this question, uh, maybe we'd be doing something other than being on the show, but, uh, <laughs> the way it was phrased here, IU is one of the most talented, but unproven front courts in the country. How will it all coalesce with an experienced point yard running the show? Uh, so what do, you, what do you think are some of the key ways uh, or, and maybe the key things that you're looking for early in the season to see if that's actually happening? Well, well, in general, when we talk all these Big Ten teams, we're going to look at everyone and who's coming back. That's how we're going to judge Illinois and all, all of that. That's how the national guys judge these teams. And while we know who's coming in to the program as new talent and, and who might blossom like gun and banks you and i probably don't know that about illinois you know we we, we know taryn shannon's coming back so we're going to judge illinois on who we know is coming back and then we're going to kind of we don't downplay their new guys but we just really don't feel as good about their new guys as we feel good about our guys so that's something that i would urge fans to to consider uh is that you know we know more about indiana we don't know a whole lot about these other teams other than just who we've seen play before. And so we judge Indiana a little differently than we judge uh, some of the other big tens, just because we don't have much to go on. Uh, and the other thing is it's a guards game. I have said that over and over again. I believe it's a guards game. Do you need big talented front court players to win? Yes. We had trace Jackson Davis. We don't do anything without a big man. Um, so with that being said, I, I think Xavier is the key to Indiana next year, Andy. I just think if he can play consistent ball and and the good X that he played for that 10-game stretch the year uh, before he got injured, 
I think Indiana has enough talent on that front line that it's going to mesh really well. I, I think people are going to get open. Obviously, concern about shooting is, is there, but uh, I think it's nice in this situation when you have a lot of new players uh, on the front line that are extremely talented to have a six-year veteran come back. But I do think there are some questions about X uh, and his consistency and decision-making uh, in his play. The Last year, I'm not sure he had a consistent start before he got hurt. He had some really outstanding games, and he had some questionable games. Uh, I'd love to see that ironed out. If he can iron that out for the most part this year, I think our front line mixes well with what he does in using the bounce, using the ball screen, throwing lobs, uh, those types of things. So I think the team's set up to be successful, but I think there are more questions than a lot of us will honestly want to face or want to state publicly because we just want the train to keep moving in the right direction. And uh, so we, we have to be aware of, of some of those questions on, on the point guard, on the guard shooting, and with some of the inexperience uh, on the uh, talented front line. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where you want to keep yourself, and this is a trap that we've fallen in plenty of times on, <laughs> over the course of time on this show. But you know, kind of trying to talk yourself into the the absolute ideal version of every guy on the team, and I think that's where IU fans it's easy to get excited about the talent there because the talent is great, and and what you don't know is is how well it all gels together, and that's ultimately why this is one of the biggest questions that will you know determine where IU falls among a pretty wide range of outcomes for the team. I think, you know, the two things that I would say as you, as you look at it, one of them, you know, I think with X last year, he never really seemed to get into a great feel for how he was going to play with Huchifino. Uh And to the extent that, you know, nobody's ever going to know whether that was in any way leading to the inconsistency that he had, but that, overall factor is not there this year um he kind of knows going in it's his show a lot more like what it was a couple years ago does that help him or not that's probably you know it's, it's certainly too early to say but i do think that's one one factor that has been eliminated from what may have impacted his play last year and i think the other thing to think about is you know would you rather have it this way where you've got a somewhat unproven young front court and an experienced guy running the point, or would you rather have experienced front court guys with a young guy running the point that you're trying to figure out how to get them the ball? And I think it'll be a great test of, you know, he said this a lot last year, proof is in the pudding when he actually gets out there, but the way he was able to see the game from the bench. Uh, and if that is something that he really learns from and is able to build on this year, he can help elevate the young guys by putting them in position to be successful versus, you know, the other scenario I talked about where you got experienced bigs and inexperienced point guard. That to me is a, a more difficult equation. Um, but all of that points back to he has to play well for this team to be good. He has to be really good uh, for this team to, to come close to the you know ceiling that they have. And uh, you know, ultimately why it's one of the, the bigger questions in the league as we enter. I think you make a valid point, um, you know, with with X and Shafino and, and figuring all of that out. But you know, the other point that I, I want to agree with you is that we got an experienced point guard. <laughs> and, and, yeah, you'd rather have that experienced point guard. 
Now, sometimes it's been good experience. Sometimes it's been a, a little shaky experience. But you got to have belief that the six-year guy is going to come back and play well. Uh, you don't turn that away. You don't encourage him to go to the pros. You don't do that. If he wants to come back, you are happy that he comes back based on experience alone. And even when he would play average or above average, he's going to be better based on that experience than a, than a young guy com- coming in. So uh, it is a guards game. And, and when we start talking about some of these other Big Ten teams, the reason we probably have them elevated ahead of Indiana is guards and guard depth. Uh, and the reason Indiana is kind of in the middle of the pack, three, four, five, six, is because they have guards, but there's some questions. And then I would say the teams that have a lot of questions at the guard level, those are the teams that are going to be a lot lower uh, in anyone's rankings. And I just feel that you you know, you know, could have, as you said, all the talent at the front line you want, but you don't have people to get them the ball or stretch the floor. You're not going to be a good basketball team. Yep. All right, next question will stay within the state of Indiana, and this one is about uh, the team in your neck of the woods. But, yeah, kind of a couple questions here, you know, one one being how does Purdue respond to the way that last season ended and and does the way that that ended, do, do you think they make any changes schematically, whether that's, you know, defensively, uh, don't know that you're going to see a ton of different things on the offensive end for them with E really being the, the centerpiece there. But, um you know, how how do you think they come back this year? They're ranked really high in every preseason projection, as you would expect them to be. They didn't lose very much outside of Jenkins and, and Brandon Newman. Uh, they still have Edie. The freshman guards are a year older. Um, but but how do you think they respond to the way that, that things uh, ended for them a season ago? Yeah, I, I think it's it's probably going to be motivation. They're very talented, and, and they were very good last year and have, have a ton coming back. And I – and, and I know that uh, they're working um, to improve. I think you'll see a slight change schematically to try to play a little more up-paced. Uh, they have to. Uh, that's part of the reason they got beat by the 16th seed um, is is that, uh, you know, they just got out quick. And the sad thing is you have an asset like Zach Eady, you got to use him. But when you have an asset that has some limitations that Eady does, he only can play in certain spots at the post uh, and – and he does it very well, and he offensive rebounds like crazy, uh, and then you have to play drop coverage with him. Uh, I, I don't see him improving enough on the ball screen, and so people can take advantage of that drop coverage just like Shafino did, in, in, and we had the little Chicago action handoff to Galloway in the game in Bloomington, and, and Shafino had that same action. Uh, so, you know, how do you not play an asset like Edie? And I don't know if you can really play up-tempo an awful lot with Edie in the game. But you have some guys that when you take Edie out aren't going to be as, quote, dominant on the size. But uh, Trey Kaufman-Wren uh, has had a good off summer from what I hear. Uh, my son has worked him out uh, at, uh, at his summer place of employment. Um, and, and I had a chance to watch him work out. I, I think he's going to be okay. Uh, so, so I think Purdue is going to have to try to change something, and it might be – giving Edie a little bit more minutes off um, and maybe changing things up inside a game. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it's it's a difficult situation for Coach Painter and Purdue. But they're going to be, win a lot of games uh, while they're trying to figure it out. Uh, whether they can advance in the tournament is probably the bigger question. Yep, I agree. Uh, all right, we'll kind of stay toward the top of the standings. You know, Purdue and Michigan State – Based on anything that you look at, Torvik, they're the top two teams. 
I uh, think in what Alex did on inside the hall, they were the top two teams. And then there's kind of a drop off. Uh, I, I think in large part, as we talk about a league with a lot of unknowns, you've got those two teams where known commodities from a coaching perspective, neither team really lost anybody, uh, you know, or significant pieces from what they had a year ago. And in the case of Michigan state, they bring in a, a really strong recruiting class. So, you know, the question for, for me, coach more at a league level is, who is the third best team? Uh, it feels like those two, then a big drop off. But, you know, as, as you slot it right now, or as you've looked over rosters a little bit, who do you think fits into that that potential third best team in the league category? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you're going to elevate Maryland and Wisconsin due to the vast number of players coming back. Um, you have Illinois with some talented players coming back, but a huge question mark at point guard. So, you know, when I go to the criteria that I mentioned at the beginning, you look at who's coming back, and, and then you look at, at point guard. Uh, I know a lot of people have Illinois uh, in that uh, spot. I, I don't see that without a point guard establishing itself. And so they have this Gibbs Lawhorn kid who uh, is from the Lafayette area originally. I saw him when he was in middle school uh, growing up, really talented, but six one. If he can be a dominant point guard, then Illinois – but I, I'm going to say Maryland uh, because of the young um, – what's it, Jameer Young is the point guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, very quick, very athletic. Uh, I thought he played really well for most of the year. And then you got Scott back. And I think you have some good talent back. And Maryland under Willard surprised some people last year. So I see them similar to Indiana uh, under Woodson in year one, in, under Woodson in year two, taking a little step uh, ahead and getting in that top four. If I were to predict on what little knowledge I have, I'm going to say Maryland. Wisconsin, Andy, is in the same boat, but their system, um, you know, Hepburn and Wall, very talented season, very talented kids, but that system keeps everyone in the ball game, right? Uh, they don't have that talent to just outplay people. And, 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 and so for years they've had the ability to win games with that system, and I see that continuing. But um, I think the talent level of the Big Ten individually has, um, you know, risen that I I don't know that I see, even with everyone coming back, Hepburn wasn't as good as everyone thought last year. Um, And and Wall, I think, took a step back. Asesian can flat out shoot the ball. But I I don't see Wisconsin being in the top four. Uh, I'd go Maryland, uh, Illinois, Indiana, and then start talking some other, other programs, I think. Yeah, I mean, it feels to me, um, I think if I look at, I'm trying to think what I looked at earlier, the, the top 25 and one that Gary Parrish does, I think Illinois was the only other team outside of Purdue and Michigan State in uh, that was in that top 25, uh, or I guess top 26, as it were. Uh, but I think they got questions, and we'll talk a little bit more about them here in a, in a couple minutes. Yeah, you know, I think that the teams that feel intriguing there are, are two of the ones you mentioned in terms of Maryland and, uh, and, and Wisconsin. And I think... You know, when you look at that, I tend to lean Maryland between uh, between the two. You've got Jameer Young as a point guard who was really successful as he transferred, I think, from Charlotte um, and, and was able to integrate pretty uh, pretty well into things there. You've got Dante Scott, who's been there forever. Julian Reese gives you some versatility on the inside. You know, the thing with them is there's a lot of turnover. They got a couple top, you know, top 100 guys coming in. They got some transfers, including you know Jordan Geronimo. So they've got a lot of things where you've got that core of those three guys and it becomes a question of how how you can integrate the other pieces alongside of them. Uh, but didn't lose 
probably outside of Hakeem Hart, anybody who was a, a huge producer for them. And then Wisconsin is, you know, they've got almost everybody back, you know, short of Jordan Davis, who who left, um, you know, Hepburn Wall, Crowell, Asijan, who I, I think is going to be, who I was really impressed with a year ago. Um, and then they added a transfer from St. John's, a few other freshmen there. I, you know, I think there's been so many times in the offseason where we've kind of undersold Wisconsin teams and, and, and I think style of play is part of that, both just from a uh, aesthetic point of view, but also from what you said in a way that all the games are going to be close. They may win some, they may lose some, um, but they need Hepburn to be a lot better than he was uh, a year ago. And, and so can they get more out of any of the guys that they have, or are they kind of, yeah, I think the way, the way that Alex put it in his write up here was good. He goes, you kind of made a case for and against each team. He said the case against, Failed to meet expectations last season, and the most experienced players may have already hit their ceiling as players. Uh, and so, I think you've got a little bit more room for growth potentially in in a Maryland team that uh, you know that has some of these guys. I think Jameer Young is is more dynamic to me than than anybody that Wisconsin has. So, I, I tend to lean Maryland a little bit there, uh, but I think those are are two of the teams that'll be in the mix uh, as you see that. And like I said, could be another time that we point back to well, we should have thought more of Wisconsin than we did, but uh, you, you never know. It's so interesting. You know, you and I with bracketology, we look at results, which is really good because you know what they're doing on the court. Uh, and then you can make your judgments of what the committee's going to do. In these preseasons, we do this, the national people do. You're in, you're in awe because Wisconsin has everyone coming back. What did they finish last year? Um, what were, were they? Yeah, they were. Hang on, I got to hear. They were 20 and 15 overall, 9 and 11 in the league. Okay, so they're one of that bunched teams in what th- five through yeah. nine or five through ten, whatever that that was. Yeah, they were so, they were seventeen and fourteen at the end of the regular season. They did go three and one in the NIT. Just to that was kind of overall record. That wasn't record as okay. of the you know, end of the so, regular season. So sometimes when you have returning starters that were okay, they're just might be okay again. There's no guarantee that just because you're coming back one year later, you're going to be better. Yes, they work hard. Yes, they're working on on in another year together in a system. All of that stuff is true. But uh, what, what Alex said in, in, a, in a write-up is true. If you've hit, hit your ceiling as a basketball player, you're at your ceiling. And maybe Wisconsin has a bunch of guys who, who are at their ceiling. And, and uh, again, I – I do appreciate their system of play because it has been effective, but it, it's 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 one of those where the system will win you some games, but does it win you uh, uh, tournament games? Does it get you to the top of the league? Um, it might get you the top four. Wisconsin's done that a lot, but um, yeah, I, I think Wisconsin is is middle of the pack at best would be would be my guess. Yeah, I call something that you described kind of essentially like the IU football conundrum that I've seen. I can't remember. I can't tell you how many preview magazines over the course of time where it's like, oh, they bring back this number of guys. And then you look and it's like, well, the team wasn't very good last year. Are we excited that we bring back that many guys? So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Who need an overhaul? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. All right. So you touched on Illinois a little bit. This is an intriguing one for me. Basically, the question for me is, will the pieces fit together better for Illinois this year than they did a year ago? I think everybody got really excited. Uh, about the guys they were able to bring in, where they you know had Sky Clark coming in, they they had Matthew Meyer coming, they added Terrence Shannon, Dane Danger, and I think as you look down those guys, some of them worked out, some of them didn't. They were a bit up and down, and and never really seemed like that team gelled all that well. 
and so, you know, now you look at him, they still have Coleman Hawkins who decided to return. Terrence Shannon is back. Danger is back. Uh, you know, and, and, and a couple young guys who played well at times and Ty Rogers and sincere Harris are there. Uh, so you've got them, you, you lose mayor, you lose, you know, Clark left middle of the season. They lost Jaden Epps who I thought had played well over the course of the season. RJ Melendez left who was, you know, played big minutes, but they've got, you know, additional transfers. They've, you know, they got somebody from Southern Illinois and Utah Valley and Oregon, uh, another top 100 guy. So they're still trying to fit guys around essentially Shannon, Coleman Hawkins and, and danger at this point. And so, you know, ultimately for them, you've had a lot of roster turnover again. It didn't work very well a year ago, uh, or it didn't work very well consistently. Uh, and so does the, the mix of players that you've managed to assemble this year, if you're Brad Underwood work out better than it did a year ago. And I think, um, you know, you can pin some of that on different guys and, and maybe Meyer was a guy who looked for his own shot first. But I also think when you look at some of the decision making of Coleman Hawkins at times, uh, was was a bit questionable and and you really struggle to have a, a you know, Shannon is not uh, a true point guard in that scenario. So uh, a really good returning player, but you have to figure out who's gonna be your point guard to to circle back to our conversation on IU. So you know, how do you see the uh, Illini being able to answer that question? And does anything lead you in the direction one way or another that, that maybe this team is a is a better uh, recipe than the one a year ago? Yeah, I think everyone had them a highly ranked last year and they faltered. And then I think what's, what could happen this year is everyone's uh, thinking because of their lack of guard play that they're going to be middle of the road. And, and I think they could surprise. I, I think they had chemistry issues and, 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 and I'm a big uh, Coach Underwood fan, but he's tough to play for. Um, and in this day and age, he's a throwback. Um, he is really tough on his players, and today's players sometimes may not like that. So that means Coach Underwood really has to – he has to recruit the right character for his coaching style more so than than others. And, and you can criticize that and say he should adapt or whatever, but he's just one tough SOB. I mean, I'll never forget my son was manager in Indian State. They went over for a closed scrimmage, and he called me on the way back. He said, Dad, whoa, holy cow, this new coach at Illinois is absolutely crazy. Um, I I like that um, uh, because, uh, you know, when I've been around him at, at media events and, and listened to him talk, I think he really cares about his players, but, man, he is tough. And so I think the last couple of years he's had squads that didn't respond to his coaching. Um especially at the guards and, and, and the Clark leaving. And I don't think Meyer, uh, that, that worked out. So there've been some decisions there. So I, I, I think they have a chance talent wise, but again, to me, going back to the criteria guard play, uh, I can't rank them in the top four or five necessarily. Um, that's why I'd have Maryland. And then, you know, I think it's Indiana, then maybe Illinois because the guards question, I just think you have to have guards. Illinois didn't last year and had talent and, and was middle of the road, an eight, nine seed or whatever they were in the tournament. I see that again, unless a point guard establishes itself. And that's where we talk about Xavier Johnson. We're in better spot because at least we know what we have in a six year veteran, which is in a lot better position than, than Illinois. Yeah, the, the next team to talk about is Ohio State. I'm not sure that anybody has had more roster turnover than Ohio State. I had a really, you know, the question for me, can they bounce back from a disappointing season given how much they changed the roster? In some of these cases, to, to go back to what we talked about before, maybe 
uh, turning over a lot of the roster of a team that went one in 14 during a 15 game stretch at, at one point is a good thing. Uh, and, and I think there's uh, potentially an argument to be made there, but I mean, they were 10 and three at one point and, and then we're 11 and 17 uh, after the next 15 games. And, and, and that big 10 tournament run was really impressive to get to the semifinals, but that was signs of life. They really had not shown for a significant portion of the season. And so you lose Bryce Sensabaugh, who goes to the NBA draft. You lose Justice Suing. Uh, Sean McNeil, you know, played minutes for them. They've got, I think, you know, maybe not the best recruiting class in the Big Ten. That's probably Michigan State. But they've got, you know, three top 50 guys coming in. Uh, a couple transfers to get Jamison Battle from Minnesota, who we all know. Uh, Bonner from Baylor. Uh, you know, a couple in-conference transfers. Even got somebody from, from Penn State after the coaching change there. So, you know, for a team that was pretty disappointing, uh, they've got a decent nucleus with Zed Key, Bruce Thornton back. Roddy Gale played really well toward the end of the season, um, but man, it was a it was a it was a pretty it was a rough year for them. And with that much roster turnover, is that a means to really bounce back? And what was, you know, by far Chris Holtman's worst year. Uh, from a Big Ten standpoint, uh, since he's been there, at least from a record uh, point of view. So as you look at them, yeah, I feel like that's the question with a lot of these Big Ten teams. I think that's why there's so much much of a gap between the the Purdue and Michigan State and everybody else, because a lot of the questions are kind of the same. Um, But a team that's going to be really heavily reliant on freshmen, uh, you know, can a team like that that doesn't have – is coming off of a year where you didn't win a lot of games, is that – a, a possible thing where Chris Holtman is a good enough coach to really turn things around and, and really shoot them back up the standings in the league. Yeah. This is a team that we, as we evaluate them, we don't know how well their talent supposedly fits in. You know, they may have a Mbako. They may have, you know, uh, someone who transferred in that we know and believe is going to be really good. And, and we just don't read about Ohio State much until we, you know, the season gets started and we start seeing them play. The thing that you have to be concerned with is uh, anytime you overturn a roster this much is how quickly do you get cohesion with the basketball team offensively and defensively to do what Coach Holtman does. I believe Coach Holtman is good enough to do that, and other squads in the NCA have put freshmen out there and competed at a high level. But usually those are your blue bloods who get five stars and that. And I don't know what the level of talent is. I was just looking. I had it called up, and I was just looking at the the thumbnail pictures of the players, and I hardly recognize anyone. Jamison Battle, I, I got that. Um, but And Thornton uh, is a nice piece there for Ohio State as well. But you never count out a team that has some ability. I think Ohio State has ability because uh, Holtman and Ohio State name and the recruiting class is pretty solid. No one knew. We knew Sensible from Indiana's recruitment, but we didn't know he was going to be that good. The year before, Ohio State had a freshman, I forget his name, really pop that no one was really counting on. So I think Ohio State has shown that they've brought in freshmen and they've had one or two that have really played above what a lot of people who may not be paying attention to Ohio State has done. So, again, I think they're middle of the pack, seven, eight, nine based on just the, the criteria. I don't know a whole lot of people coming back and I, and, and guard play. Uh, those are, are the, why I would have them lower, but I, I don't, I, I don't discount uh, coach Holtman or any coach in, in the big 10 for, for what, you know, what it's worth. 
Yeah, next question I've got is how does Northwestern or can Northwestern sustain their success from a year ago? So they really were one of the surprises uh, of the league, certainly one of the surprises in a positive way, finishing 12 and 8, uh, getting back to the NCAA tournament for the second time under Chris Collins. But last time they did that, things you know dropped off dramatically the following year and stayed there for a while. Uh, they're just not a program who has seen multi-year back-to-back years of success and uh you know i think boo booey is is arguably one of the better point guards in the league i think or actually i don't think that's arguable but you know one of the better point guards in the league that always helps as we talked about before uh brooks barnheiser was it was a guy who showed some promise uh last year and and i know somebody that your son has worked with a little bit over the summer uh, as well, but they lose Audige, who was Iraq offensively, but really disruptive on the defensive end. Uh, and so, you know, just for a team that hasn't been able to sustain sustain success in the past, ultimately it boils down to like, is this a different scenario for Northwestern? And are they able to really build upon what they did last year? Or was it kind of, or could it end up being viewed as somewhat of a flash and a spike in production, but then a drop-off the following year. I, I'm leaning more for a drop-off, but I'm not sure how much of a drop-off. Uh, you know, Coach Collins has done a good job. He stayed with it. He's been patient, and he finally got uh, um, a group together. When you have Boo Booey back, that is a huge piece, um, huge piece. I, I don't think it's, you know, 12 and 8 good uh, like they were last year. So, yeah, I do. I like your, your terminology. I, I think they spiked last year and previous years when Northwestern has done that. They have fallen all the way back down to the bottom. I see a softer landing uh, this year uh, because of some of the pieces they have have back. And, and I think some of the programs – I mean, the whole Big Ten is, is well-coached and, and, and talented to some extent. And there are always teams that spike – and there are always teams that are supposed to be one, two, and three that fall down to seven, eight, nine. Michigan, the last couple of years, has been heavily thought of prior to uh, to the season starting, and then they've just kind of fallen off with heavy amounts of talent and good coaching. So uh, I just think that it's hard at Northwestern. It's really hard to sustain that year in and year out from a recruiting standpoint. And again, without knowing uh, a whole lot of details about their roster construction. Their saving grace is their guards. I think Barnheiser at a small forward type is a real tough-nosed coach's kid from here in Indiana, Lafayette area. Uh, those are some pieces that can win some games enough to be, you know, a mid-level program. Yeah, with them, it's interesting. You kind of look back a little bit at their history uh, on, on Ken Palm here. And, and you know, they, they you know, tempo-wise, I wouldn't say they ever really sped up, but for, you know, 20 – the the – 2020 2021 season and then the following season they had played at a bit faster pace they really slowed it back down again a year ago the defensive numbers have been you know that part was not an anomaly of of what we've seen from chris collins there have been other years when they had really strong uh defensive efficiency numbers i think it was one of their better seasons on the offensive end and there's an argument to be made that without a guy like audige who who was very streaky not very efficient uh, you know, maybe the offense doesn't take a huge hit uh, in that scenario, but uh, but it is a lot to try to figure out who you're going to get points from outside of Boo Booey. And uh, if the defense was really your calling card and you lose the best defender off that team, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you navigate that situation as well? So 
uh, an interesting one for sure. And then, you know, we couldn't get out of here without a question about, uh, about Fran, uh, or Fran's team that is. So Iowa is, uh, is out of Murray's at this point, unless there's another one that's coming up that I just don't know about. Uh, but, but who do you see as the, as the go-to guy for them and a team that, uh, well-documented is an offense first outfit and, uh, you know, the, the, the Murray's have really carried them here over these last couple of years. Uh, and you also, you know, lose you know, Connor McCaffrey, who was a, a big part of their program. Uh, Rebraca, big guy inside, uh, as well as, you know, Aaron Ulis and, and things like that. So a lot of turnover for them. Uh, so who, who becomes the next guy to, to somehow keep them, uh, you know, toward the top of the offensive rankings? Because they're going to have to be. Because uh, I don't think the defensive switch is flipping anytime soon. So uh, everyone knows my my love of Fran McCaffrey. Um, I don't know who the next guy is, but for years we didn't know who the next guy was going to be. And all of a sudden, um, what Coach McCaffrey does really well is develop players. Um, you know, they come out of nowhere. We kind of knew Murray last year because he was an understudy to his brother. But even the older Murray, we we weren't you know, going into his freshman year, we weren't saying he's automatically going to, to be something. And uh, Garza before that uh, for two years was just a big center. And then next thing you know, was an offensive juggernaut. You have to credit uh, Fran. And yes, this is true. The the sun hasn't gotten to me. The, the excess heat has not gotten to me, but you have Coach to credit clearly Fran. dehydrated, but all right. Yeah. Uh, that, he allows people to be free on offense, which I think a lot of more coaches need to do. They need to free up um, their guys, put them in positions, put them in sets to to be able to attack. And I think what you see is most Iowa players overachieve on the offensive end. When you look at them, you don't think great offensive players, but they score in the 90s because they're confident, and, and he gives them confidence to go play the game uh, offensively defensively yeah that's where where defensively and then all his technicals and his attitude that's part of my disdain for for the guy but I think he develops his players really well and, and so I'm not sure about the roster at all um, but I'm sure there's someone on there that'll be their leading scorer and give fits to everyone in the Big Ten that someone's not thinking about do you have the roster right there uh I I, I did not pull yeah. that up I pulled up almost everyone else on our run sheet but I did not pick yeah, I mean, it, it feels like it feels like Peyton Sanford's the the most likely guy to to step into a more prominent offensive role. Uh, his brother is a top 100 recruit who's there as a freshman. But even if you look at what he did last year, he was streaky uh, as well. I think had a really good game against IU, maybe one or maybe both games, quite honestly. But, uh, you know, shoots it real, you know, shot a ton of threes, shot 172 threes, almost the most on the team uh, for them, despite only play in about half of the, the minutes, um, but was relatively efficient and shown some, some flashes of being a good shooter. So uh, it feels like he's going to be a guy they have to count on to take more uh, of that offensive load. Uh, Tony Perkins, I know he had a really good game in the game at IU, um, but not necessarily a, a, a an explosive scorer. So, you know, they have questions, but yeah, I think like you, like you said, they're, they're, he finds ways to put guys in position. So I do think they're one that's going to uh, probably fall a bit in the league. They, they have more questions than most, but I, I just couldn't escape the chance to to get a, a Fran related question in here for you. So, uh, you know, I, you gotta, you gotta find some good in everyone. Um, even Fran has some good things, you know, this is true. This is true. 
So, all right. Well, lots more questions than that, I'm sure. But that uh, some of the biggest ones that we can see coming into the season. So, uh, we'll take a quick break, and then when we come back on Assembly Call Radio. It is mailback time, and we got a great bunch of questions, and so we'll answer those and then uh, call it a night. So, stick with us here on the Assembly Call. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you, was there some extra music in there just now? Uh, I didn't hear anything extra. Okay. Well, sometimes when I'm, I, I think. F- fix my ear f- ear uh, buds here, it turns on my Apple Music. And so all of a sudden I was sitting here getting ready to hit the uh, outro and I heard some song pop on. I didn't know if that Uh, went over the air. I did not. I did not hear it. I did not hear it. I I don't think so because it's not tied to that. Whatever I have on my computer, the mixer. Yeah. But that's all Jared stuff. But I thought, oh, crap. Nope. You're good. You're good. Nobody. Nobody. Everybody's left wondering what you're what kind of stuff you're listening to. Yeah. It's nothing good. <laughs> it remains a mystery. Yeah. Uh, all right. You ready to hit a few questions? Don't have a ton, so we'll uh, yep. probably go through some of these fairly quickly. So. All right. Here we go. Uh, all righty. Hi. This is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Go All right, welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and it is now time for our mailbag. Most of these questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, so the first one comes from, uh, I mean, who knows who this could be, uh, Calvert fan in Frisco 40. Uh, as you reflect on your bracketology performance in previous seasons, what adjustments or improvements will you be looking to make this season? You know, uh, Andy, I thought our group had a really good year last year. I think we had our second highest score ever. Uh, and so we were the, in the six, seven years we've been doing it. I thought we did a good job uh, last year. Now, a lot of people scored high. And so our, our ranking uh, was in somewhere in the middle or wherever it was. Um and that's a discussion for another time. But 
you know, we're now at a point where we're just competing against ourselves or we go compare ourselves to you or, or, or some of the CBS guys. And then that's what we do as a group. Um, because it's just gotten bracketology has gotten so big and, and so many people are, are looking at things and doing things. Uh, it's going to take a real incredible effort to be in the top 10 going forward. So, but I thought we were, I thought we did a fantastic job. I thought our group was really good, had several good meetings. Um, but the, the, the one thing that we always want to adjust is making sure that at, towards the end that we don't make too many changes based on one result. Um, with, with the conference tournament games, they do count, and I do think it might change some things every, every once in a while. But really trying to get that hammered out on Tuesday and Wednesday, a real strong foundation, and sticking to that um, short of a couple exceptions. I think when we haven't scored well um, – in the bracketology, we've allowed uh, the media or that to sway us into thinking there's a lot of changes going on on Saturday uh, and Sunday. With that being said, I do think the committee paid a little more attention to those things after us bracketologists said all that. Um, and, and so it's a year-by-year adjustment. You, you got to try to guess who's on the committee and, and what they're doing. But it's just a fun exercise. I know you enjoy it. You do a, a great job inside the hall and publishing all of that. I know our group – is looking forward to that, and it's just given our high school group so much uh, access to college athletics and, and, and getting to help young people at Delphi. So um, we, we just continuously look for just small pieces of information that will help clue us in on, on where people are going to be uh, seated. Yeah, I would, I would echo some of the same things you said. I mean, one thing would be to get the committee to do, you know, think more like me but uh yeah exactly. you know, i think that i think the couple things that stood out as i was while you were talking i was kind of pulling up my my sheet from the end of the year uh you know a couple teams i missed by two spots on or by two seed lines on one was florida atlantic which i stand by should have been a much higher seed but i think it feels like history has proven time and again that they're going to put those teams that have really dominant performances like that on the eight nine line and make them prove something and they did a year ago. So I feel a little bit vindicated by having them at a seven uh, on my list, but they ended up being a nine. Uh, you know, I, I think there's probably other lessons to be learned for similar teams from previous years. And the other team I missed by two was Texas A&M, which I think falls into one of the things you said, which was a little bit of their performance uh, in the SEC tournament. I thought they'd played well there, didn't end up winning it, but made it to uh, the final day, had a really strong conference performance. Um, but struggled in the non-conference and, and I think didn't schedule particularly well, although I think I scheduled a little bit better than they did the year prior. Um, so probably a lesson to be learned on that. And the other thing, I don't know if this was, I don't, I don't know that I have these from enough years back, but uh, of the teams I missed where I was a seed line higher than, uh, than what the committee did, a disproportionate number of them were big 10 teams. And I'm not sure what exactly that means, but I was, I was a higher one seed higher on Michigan State, Maryland, Iowa, and Illinois. Uh, I don't know if that is just a function of watch. That just suggests I need to watch less Big Ten basketball, <laughs> which would probably be you know a good thing for my general my overall well being. Um, but I do think it is harder. Again, I, I run into that with IU a lot, where I feel like I might be a little bit lower on them sometimes than other people because it's a little bit what we were talking about with the Big Ten, right? Like you, you're more familiar with. IU or other teams in the league because of 
you know, doing this and just generally area of the country we live in and all those kinds of things. And I think it, um, you know, sometimes you might think you know more about these teams because you've watched so many games of theirs, but you, you need to take, try to figure out a way to take a step back a little bit uh, and figure out, is that how other people would perceive this team? Or am I maybe too close to the situation to really get an accurate read on it? I don't think I noticed that uh, before when I did that, but it was interesting that that was uh, a common theme was about half the teams I missed by one seed line too high were Big Ten teams. So that probably that probably says something. I should change something. Pretty soon, right. uh, it, we're going to be across the country with 28 teams. Well, yeah, who knows? Big yeah, Ten, once they start take playing, away, yeah, it'll take away any of that issue of being, you know, too too much information about the Big Ten. Absolutely, throw in the fact that some of the games are going to be starting so late, I won't even be able to stay up and watch, so I won't be able to know as much about the team. So it's a yeah. it's a win. Uh, from Terrence Harper, we talked a little about this earlier. Do you think the new walk-ons will see any time on the floor uh, this season? Um, I think we touched on that a little bit, but any, you know, I think, I think certainly in some of the buy games, I think they'll, they'll get some potential opportunities there. I think, as we said before, outside of injuries, I don't think you'll see them a great deal uh, unless they really show something either extremely strong defensively or really are shooting it. Well, I think are the two paths to now if they can do, but if they can do both those things and maybe it will both be proven wrong and in terms of how much they'll play, but, but the guy from, uh, Air Force also coming back off of missing a year with surgery, so you don't really know. Um, you know, take him a little bit while to to work his way back. But any other thoughts on playing time for those guys as you uh, as you look ahead to the season? Yeah, and this is this is no offense to 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 those guys, but um, even preferred walk ons are preferred walk ons. The scholarship guys are better, and, and you're going to go through your scholarship guys first, and then if they do practice well and, and improve you might give them a scholarship but if you play a guy like that that means one of your scholarships or two of your scholarships guys has not improved and is not capable of playing at the big 10 which isn't good so um you know i'm i'm proud that those guys are indiana i'd like to see them in some of those buy games or in some situations where there's blowouts um and, and if they earn it there have been cases in college basketball where walk-ons have come in and Really, uh, and the and the is it Rayford or Radford? Um, I should. Yeah, I think it's Rayford. Rayford, there's a guy who played at, in the Mountain West and had a year off. That's a guy who you could see potentially getting to a level of playing because he was a D1 player before. Um, it's not just a, a really good high school player uh, that is coming and and passing up a a D two or D three or NAIA to go to a Division one school and, and and walk on and do that. This that that's a high level walk on, but I, I just don't see major major minutes unless something has not worked out, um, and, and, and with the the perimeters in the Indiana program currently. Yep. All right. Next one from Peter Weisenbach. Uh, coach Woodson isn't going to coach forever. Who are some internal candidates you would love to see being the head coach someday? He said, personally, I would love to see Jordy take over. Uh, and externally, who are some other under-the-radar candidates with Indiana connections other than the obvious in Dusty May and Michael Lewis? Well, Peter, I think you just named the next Indiana coach. Say, he there took with... the, yeah, I feel like he I feel like he took the he he definitely took some of the the what would be the more popular options for sure. You know, this it's interesting. I saw this question uh this afternoon and um, driving around Lafayette today, doing some furniture shopping before the show, I, I was I was giving it some thought. 
was a lot more enjoyable than the cost of furniture. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I do think this might be a case, you know, depending on what Coach Woodson wants to do. In the next year or two, uh, if he wants to continue coaching, they probably need to extend him for recruiting. You can't go into your last year unknown because that's going to just, you know, put a lot of negative recruiting into coaching staffs around the country if Woodson's recruiting in year five or six without an extension. So I think after next year, you have to extend if he wants to continue coaching. And at this point, I think there's no reason you wouldn't do that. Um, I think um, – so then what, what's Indiana going to do? Are you going to go internally? I, I think we have guys on staff that could take over. But, boy, that is a 50-50 proposition, Andy. You've seen uh, the Purdue situation worked out with, with Matt Painter. Uh, but there have been other situations where you've had, you know, your predetermined guy. It didn't work out in Indiana one time when you got rid of Coach Knight and hired, hired Mike Davis. So I, I'm comfortable with the three assistant coaches that, that we have. Uh, and I think, you know, that – uh, they're the two, you know, um, I, I think they could take over. And, and I think if you, if you have a coach Woodson, who's built the program up, we've gone to the tournament five or six years and he wants to retire because of it's just time for him to, to retire. I would not have a problem with uh, any of those guys uh, being asked to, to take over. I do think your two choices there, Dusty May and Michael Lewis should probably be one and one a on the interview list because i do see now the value of indiana connections um i I still think you can get a good basketball coach that isn't connected to indiana because like bob knight played at ohio state uh but it's either a real top coach at that point coming in taking over for 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 coach woodson um who's demonstrated winning at a high level at a power five school, or I think you go Dusty May or Michael Lewis and keep the Indiana connection. At least you have a good young coach coming up from a smaller program that has Indiana connections. And I think that might be, be the key. So I think that's still four years away. I think coach Woodson's going to coach through his contract at least. Um, and he will let Indiana know if he wants to be extended or not. And they'll start thinking about it in year five or six, if there needs to be a successor. But um, I, I think Indiana's, in, in better position than I thought three years ago with, with coaching. Yeah. I think, you know, in terms of internal candidates, you know, holds is an interesting one. As he mentions here, uh, I do think Kenny Hunter is a guy who everybody has been uh, really positive about as he's been there. So if you look at not an IU guy, but somebody who's been on the, the staff through a couple of different regimes, uh, obviously somebody has to feel pretty good. It's not all that common for somebody to stay over from, uh, you know, previous staff when somebody new comes along. So I think that's, that's somewhat telling that he was, uh, that he was retained in that scenario. And yeah, I, I really struggle to think about who some of the other, you know, candidates with IU connections would be that aren't really there outside of, you know, Dusty May and Michael Lewis, you know, you kind of scan down the list of, you know, just college basketball teams in general, uh, you know, those feel like the two obvious ones. So I'm not really aware of somebody else that would be there. And I think, if those are your two guys, you, you got to feel good that you'd be able to go get one of those guys and you don't need somebody more under the radar than, right. than they would be. But I think it'd be hard for Halls to, to jump in in four years. Um, I, I think so, too. I position think position is and yeah. not official coach, um, you know, uh, I, I think that would be difficult to ask him to even do that. Now, could he be an assistant coach on a staff like that? Yes, I, I, I do think. But I think Halls would be a – I don't know that he's not – I'm not saying he's not capable, but there's a lot of experience of being an assistant 
and moving up and doing those things in coaching to, to take over a program like Indiana. You know, everyone was kind of questioning Mike Woodson. Did he have enough college experience? And the guy had been in the pros for 25 years. So yeah. I, I think I think it's, that would be a long shot for, for Jordy to, to be asked. To be I think that's a lot longer term. And, and yeah. he's early in that career, but I do think – uh, and I think that's something they'll probably look to do with him is try to figure out how to give them him some of those other opportunities right? Uh, as, as you move people around in different capacities. But, yeah, I think to, to jump from, you know, even if he, you know, moved over a chair every year between now and, and that four-year time period, that's not a lot of experience at those different uh, levels to, to really do it. But I think that would that, – that feels unlikely as one that would be the Woodson successor. Maybe he's the – successor to the successor if you if you kind of groom him and go through some of the process that way uh we'll end with a couple questions from valerie who did an excellent job on the trivia last week uh so first one when can we expect the full men's schedule to come out i tried to look back a little bit in recent years it seemed like kind of you know maybe around the 10th or so of september as a as a ballpark so, you know, they've announced the non-conference. I think the non-conference piece is pretty much all known at this point. I think what isn't known, uh, Big Ten opponents are known, just not the actual dates of those. But I think I look back, and there was one might have been around the 8th of September, one, another around the 12th. So I'd look for it probably another couple weeks uh, yet to wait for that uh, or so, just trying to use history as our guide uh, on that one. And her other question, has anyone heard anything about Peacock and college basketball, especially the Big Ten? I know when some of the conversations around all these things were going, there was uh, mention of some of the games being on Peacock. I have not, and maybe that's something that becomes more clear when the schedule comes out in terms of what they have and how many they'll carry and, uh, you know, whether what you need to pony up for another subscription. I don't know, Coach, if you have seen or heard anything about that. It seemed like a relatively minimal number of games would be there at least initially, but um, I think the schedule release will probably inform a little bit of, of what we need to know there from a, a viewing standpoint. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a decent portion of Big Ten games uh, on Peacock. How it affects Indiana viewing, I'm not sure. I would imagine one or two games from Indiana will probably That's what I'm assuming, yeah. That's what Peacock I would Peacock would, would be my guess. Um, and I think right now it's either four ninety nine or five ninety nine a month maybe, and – I, I don't know. I just pay for it. I don't know. That's one of the ones I don't have. So I really yeah. don't look forward to having to try to figure out, you know, remember another password. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, like and I I know everyone has their different. Uh, I finally cut the cord from DirecTV in January. I upped my internet so I could have good Wi Fi for a change. And it's been awesome. But like I'm running this show right now and I'm running three smart TVs down here in my basement with different games and not having a glitch. So. If you do ever want to go to streaming on, on smart TVs or Roku or Fire Sticks, just upgrade your internet. Uh, I ended up saving totally a hundred and some dollars uh, cutting the cord uh, and having these extra subscriptions. So it it is a pain in the butt uh, to get subscribed and, and with all the stuff, I, I understand that. But I found a way to save about 100, 115 bucks and have Peacock, have, have some of these other Apple TV as well as uh, stuff. And I absolutely am um, mad at myself that I didn't go to streaming um, earlier. So, um, you know, it, uh, it, it is possible uh, to do that, um, as frustrating as it, as it may seem. And so, um, 
Yeah, I, I guess it's five ninety nine. Brian Tui said five ninety nine. I just went up um, again. It does it's add like up. <laughs> but dang, Directv was robbing me blind, and I finally realized it, Andy. So yeah, I mean, I you didn't you enjoy teach an old dog new tricks. Where, yeah, the song and dance where you just had to call and complain to try to get a new deal. Yeah, I I did that a few years even before you did. But yeah, that was uh, somewhat tiresome to to go through all that so you know when, when you call to cancel now they have the deal oh know? yeah exactly that was exactly what i said when i did it i go well it would be great if you're like oh you've been a valued customer for x amount of time and i'm like well, it would be great if i was so valued that you would just give me a good deal instead of having me have to fake like i'm gonna go someplace else just to try to get you to to give me a better deal but that's, yeah, that's, that, a, that's yeah. either here nor there valerie it, it makes a great point you you really do have to in order to fully enjoy streaming, you have to have really, really good uh, internet if it's available in, in in your area. We upgraded to a cable. Uh, we now have our town has been in fiber. We might be going to that too, but it's been night and day since January when I when I up, upgrade. Got rid of my landline for final. Uh, got rid of my landline, changed internet providers, changed TV, and saved 115 bucks. So there you go. Pretty good. Watch I right. on Peacock. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for questions. Uh, for All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank show. you. I appreciate those. Uh, and that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. So if you want to see us do the show live, you can join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music. And thanks to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. That's it. We're done. No more questions. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. All right. Good job. Good, Good talking with you again, Andy. Appreciate it. Good show. Hey, too. Yeah. Appreciate everybody being here. I think uh, I've got a few things lined up for the coming weeks. I believe I don't have this in front of me, so take this with a grain of salt. But I think next week, uh, Eamon Brennan is going to be on. Yeah. Um, so uh, be interesting to get his perspective. I know I enjoyed him being on podcast on the brink a month or so ago with Alex and talking about his new venture and perspective on IU. Ryan was quick to remind us that uh, he worked with Eamon at the IDS. So uh, always the possibility to potentially pry some embarrassing Ryan stories uh out which should really be enough to get anybody to tune in and uh we'll, we'll go from there so i think jared's got a couple other guests working for the uh coming weeks after that but i i forget what they are quite honestly they've slipped my mind so we'll just uh we'll roll them out as they come but should be uh should be good next week for sure absolutely so we're getting closer all right absolutely absolutely little little closer a little closer so uh all right well coach enjoy your uh enjoy your weekend enjoy your continued furniture shopping uh absolutely both from a cost perspective and a <laughs> when you can actually receive said furniture perspective that's always a good time so, so so here's how here's how bad we are andy we went tonight we found a couch we really like come home and found out is a little bit too big for uh our living room so the one <laughs> we were thinking of we were going to end up with is now totally gone gone uh, <laughs> out the window after three hours of four different stores we had dinner uh, we talked about it we pros and cons and all of that and and then we find out we're at back to square one uh 
Yeah. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. I mean, the good news is that you actually looked first and that you didn't get it delivered <laughs> yeah. and then figure yeah. out that it wouldn't fit. So exactly. while not ideal to have to change direction, <laughs> it could be worse if you were to uh, make the wrong <laughs> make the wrong decision. So anyway. All right. All right. Well, thanks to everybody. We'll uh we'll be back. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.